Pep, what's going on, man? How are you? How's it going? Hey, Mark. Yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me. So stoked to have you on. How's the weather in, in Amsterdam today? <laughs> well, overall, Dutch weather is not great, to be honest, but uh, I'm managing. My hay fever is, uh, is uh, playing up, so I guess that's a, a sign that the sun is coming. The sun's coming and spring is almost here, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it is. Awesome. Well, I'm really stoked to have you on and, uh, you know, tell your story of how you got started in, in marketing and advertising and kind of somewhere, what are some of the cool things you guys are doing these days over at smart marketers? So to start off, like, let's, let's hear the story of what, let's hear about pep. Like let's hear, what are you doing right now? And, uh, and how did you get started? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that's a fun story on how I got started. So uh, first of all, like I run the Smart Marketer agency right now. So I'm not sure if everyone is familiar with Smart Marketer, but Smart Marketer is a digital marketing education business that has uh, has existed for quite a few years. Ezra Firestone is uh, the founder of that and Molly Pittman is the CEO of that. And built on top of that, we have uh, started the Smart Marketer Agency, which is uh, a business in itself. So it's separate from Smart Marketer officially, but obviously it's super connected. And um, next to running the Smart Marketer Agency, where we provide uh, Facebook and Instagram ads, and uh, we also ro started rolling out some email services. I also run a, a coaching program, which is called Your Next Move, which we are more like private consultants, right, for uh, for our members rather than actually executing and, and doing the actual work uh, for our clients. So, yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. Agency is growing fast, have about 17 people uh, in the team right now, which is awesome. Some really cool clients and, um, yeah, an amazing team. So cool. So let's, let's take it a step back and like, tell the story of like, how did you, how did you actually get started in this space? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, for me, sometimes still a crazy story because I never expected to end up in this space. So about six years ago, it was 2017 is when I graduated from, uh, my undergrad. Uh, undergrad, I did uh, the University of Utrecht, um, did liberal arts and sciences with um, a focus there in social sciences, right? So economics and psychology was my major with a minor in finance. And I was super motivated during my undergrad because I really want to do uh, a cool postgrad. Uh, and I made it into the um, London School of Economics uh, for my postgrad. So in 2017, I packed up my bags and I, I moved to London. Uh, to do my postgrad for a year and to be honest like i thought that i would end up into like consulting right something like that my goal was to work at like the boston consulting group or mckinsey bain like one of those bigger consulting businesses because i thought that was cool and i had no clue i didn't know the business at all but i thought that was something that would suit me pretty well and while i started my uh, postgrad in london um, I got pretty sick, which was unfortunate. I got a, a, a Lyme disease, which was pretty rough. And after a few weeks of going back and forth to doctors in, in the Netherlands, right in Amsterdam, flying back and forth between London and Amsterdam, I decided to hit the break button, the pause button and pause my postgrad. And the university was super chill. They said, hey, here's your tuition fee back. Uh, come back next year. We'll actually save you a spot because it was like, ridiculously competitive to to land a position in that postgrad so um they were very chill to say hey take a break take a year and come back next year 
So I moved back to the Netherlands and yeah, then didn't really have a purpose or goal at that time in my life because my goal had been like studying obviously and then getting into the postgrad. Then I got into the postgrad and wasn't physically able to uh, to handle it. So yeah, what do you do with your time? So um, one of my main drivers has been just to be like, at least like financially independent a bit. And I was falling back on my parents again at that time. So what I did is I took a job for uh, a day a week at a tutoring uh, institute for like high school kids to make a bit of money. And then I just dove into the world of, of digital marketing. And <laughs> dude, like um, I started drop shipping because uh, it was like no money invested. Um, the gateway drug is <laughs> a drop shipping. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> So not proud of the dropshipping uh, history. However, it was actually a really good way of learning how to run ads. So at that time, I started to doing every course I could find on digital marketing because it was a thing that I could do from home, right? I didn't have to drive somewhere. I only have my computer. Yeah, you didn't have to go in somewhere. Yeah, dude, like me just to me... Discovering the world of online businesses was crazy because I was really in the, on the traditional path. When I thought about a business, I thought about an office, right? So me discovering the world where you can run a business with just your laptop was crazy. So I was really intrigued by that. So I dove into that and because I had no money, I started drop shipping, did all of those courses and it was a great way to learn how to run ads. It was amazing. And I was not making money because sometimes I made a bit of money a day, then I lost a bit of money. I had no idea about retention. So um, uh, I, I didn't understand that at all. I didn't understand that the money was in the back end, right? That the goal of the first acquisition is not to make money, but to acquire the customer. So sometimes I made a bit of money, sometimes I lost a bit of money. I think at the end I broke even kind of over a period of a few months, but I did realize that I understood something and that I learned something by First of all, literally working every day and getting behind my computer in the morning, no one to motivate me, 100% intrinsic motivation to learn something new and start executing and failing um, was an amazing, ama amazing uh, time in my life where I was just disciplined to learn something and understood that I learned something and therefore could provide value to someone else who did not learn that, right? Um, so at some point, a few months in, I was like on Shopify and stuff with the drop shipping business, which was obviously a bit scammy, but, um, I realized that I could provide value to other businesses because I knew this one skill and had spent months learning it. So I just started cold emailing small local businesses in my town and landed my first client, right? Which was paying me, I think like 15 euros an hour or something like that. And that was a really, really cool moment because I realized that you don't need a college degree to get paid. It doesn't work like that, right? The, tra the traditional vision. No, if you can add value to a business or to someone, right? And uh, that person cannot do that themselves or they don't want to spend the time on it, then you can get paid for that. It's a transaction of value. And I was like, holy moly, I never considered that. Um, so I was absolutely obsessed from that moment by just this world of online business and then obviously running running Facebook ads, which I really enjoyed. So uh, 
after a year, I decided not to go back to London to complete my postgrad, but actually to pack up my bags and move to Amsterdam and just try and see if this thing could get off the ground. And yeah, I just started working relentlessly hard and just <laughs> like the hustling, right? Just hustling to see if I can make my rent, you know? And uh, I was able to do that. And it took uh, absolutely a few years to at least get a bit of money in. Uh, but I was able to do that relatively fast where I could just, you know, I could, I could, I had, a, I rent a room in Amsterdam and I could live there from the, the income that I was making as a freelancer. But I still had my mind and focus on, on working in the US, mostly because of my international background, right? And just my, my postgrad one uh, studying in, in London and then also the content that I was consuming because I was going through all of the U the courses that were produced in the US, right? They were created in the US. I was going through Digital Marketer. I was listening to Perpetual Traffic, to Molly, Ro um, Ralph, and Keith um, at that moment. So my focus was on the US. Um, and But it's like, it's really, really hard to land a US client when you're in Amsterdam because who would ever hire you? Like, why would you hire me? I didn't have that much of experience, especially not in the US market. Why would they hire me? So fun thing that happened was that I was listening, as I said, to perpetual traffic. I did the certifications of Digital Marketer and Molly Pittman was one of the hosts of Perpetual Traffic. And she also did the, uh, the certifications uh, courses at Digital Marketer about uh, paid traffic, right? Facebook ads. And I was following Molly on Instagram and I saw at some point that she was in Amsterdam. So I sent her a DM and I just said, hey, I see that you're in Amsterdam. If you have like a speaking gig or something like that in Amsterdam, please let me know because I would love to come. I'm a student. I've done your courses. I, I listen to your podcast every week. And she was like, uh, she was super kind. And she was like, hey, sorry, no, here just for some free time, some, some holiday. But I'm actually uh, going back to the States. It was either that day or the day after. Um, but I'll be back in a few months. So why don't you then reach back out to me and maybe we can like hang out or something like that. Um, so didn't thought anything about it. I thought, well, that's pretty cool. I'll do that. And I was just at that point working with some Dutch clients and um, yeah, running ads mostly for clients as a, as a freelancer. And a few months later, Molly did come back to Amsterdam, but actually she moved to Amsterdam, which I didn't know at that time, but she moved to Amsterdam. She lived there. She rented a house. That's when she left DM, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, she had, I think she did some uh, like consulting on her own in between. And I think around that time she became the CEO of Smart Marketer. That's right. Yeah. So Molly lived in Amsterdam and then the craziest thing happened, which was that Molly um, reached out uh, to the co-working space where I, where I was working to potentially rent an office. And look, Amsterdam is a city, right? So there are a lot of co-working spaces. Yeah. There's a lot of co-working spaces, a lot of office spaces, but it's the same one that you're in. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. And it was crazy because that was this was a time of like where chatbots were like super, super new and cool. And I built this chatbot for the co-working space where I was working at to automatically go through a flow to book in uh, a tour. And I saw Molly's application come in through that chatbot. 
Um, and uh, um, she didn't know that I was working there. So obviously I sent her um, a message. Hey, I saw your application coming through. How funny. And then she ended up uh, renting an office in the same office building. And yeah, at that point, uh, we obviously met and we became friends and we started to hang out. We were in the same space, obviously, but we also shared a lot of uh, same values as, as uh, just on the personal front, you know. So we really connected in a great way. And yeah, that was the start of a, of a friendship. And uh, a few years in, I think like two years in, we started Your Next Move together, uh, which is our coaching program slash mastermind. It's really like intimate coaching. So it's not like a big coaching program, but it's a small group of business owners, mostly doing at least like a million a year that just want uh, my help and uh, Molly's help and also John Grimshaw's help because John is the CMO of um, Smart Marketer and is also our partner in Your Next Move. And yeah, that did very well. That took off very well. But the thing was that uh, I think half of the people that signed up for our program asked me if I could run their ads. And obviously I could not handle that uh, demand. But it was a sign that um, obviously I think people trusted me, they, they liked me and obviously I delivered results. And I was at that moment that, you know, like I had to make a decision. What I, what was I going to do? I was working with some freelancers, but not really like full-time dedicated employees. And um, I think we were like um, not even a year into your next move there where Molly came up and said, hey, would you consider starting an agency with us, right? Smart with Smart Marketer, like becoming the Smart Marketer agency and... Because you know, like we were friends, it was what was that was obviously great, but we could also yeah, you guys had some synergy. We're already partners. It yeah makes total sense, right? Yeah, but we could work also well together on the business, right? So not only personal, but also on the business. So uh, yeah, that's how we came up with the idea to um, to start an agency. I think it was maybe even a, a year into your next move, um, and then we decided to to launch an agency together and. Um, that's basically my story. That's awesome. That's awesome, Pepe. I love how in the smart marketer family, like with every different business, there's there's a different product that's servicing a different part of the market. Yeah. You know, I think it's interesting. I'm sure it's you're you know, you've experienced the same as me when you're evaluating a prospect to work with on the agency side. There's like one avatar that's like there that you're qualified to work with and is qualified to work with you at any given time based on who you're going after. And so when you have these different products that can service the different market, you can guide them in the right direction on what they need for where they're at. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's just for a lot of like, not for all of our agency clients, but for some, it's a natural ascension where they start in, for example, like one of our courses, like train my traffic person, for example, and then some some then move into your next move not all of them uh, but because also some just do train my traffic person it works but they don't want to spend the time to scale up or uh, they don't know how and then they like knock on our door now for for agency services but that's not always the case but it does happen which is pretty cool that's awesome and how's uh, everything going with your next move is it still like you guys are still meeting every week still bringing new people in are you guys doing any events associated with that too or is it all virtual 
Yeah, so it's all virtual for now. We actually just went through a complete restructuring of your next move, where we initially just had basically like Molly and John did one Q&A on Tuesday for three hours. I did one on Thursday related to ads, whereas Molly and John talk about much more than ads. They talk about messaging. They talk about John is our data wizard, right? So about everything uh, related to Google Analytics, lifetime values, email. Um, we did restructure it completely where we introduced much more one-on-one concepts and a, a structure actually in, in the calls. So our Tuesday call now starts with 45 minutes of content, us teaching, either Molly John or me, or we bring on a guest on either what's working well in the agency, right? Or what's working well in one of our other businesses, really teaching. Um, and then we have six blocks of 20 minutes of one-on-one -on -one time that people can book ahead. Because what we found, Mark, I'm not sure if you have the same, is that we have some bigger businesses in your next move and some smaller businesses, and especially the bigger businesses defined as, I don't know, like a few million or more. They're busy, man, and they don't want to sit in on a three-hour call uh, until they maybe can ask their question. So we let them now book a time slot ahead for for them just to show up i think that's really smart yeah i think that's really smart and then can other people listen like through osmosis on there i think that's really smart because yeah like you said when you're when you're a big business you need what you need and you need to get in and out and that's it and i think those calls can go along and be quite challenging and let's say hey if i know i'm going to get 20 minutes with pep and molly at Call starts at nine. I'm going to get it at 1020. I'm going to be in 1020, 1040. Boom. They can watch the, the recordings of whatever you guys trained on earlier and move from there. So that's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we're doing right now. And what we did, we had the Thursday call, which was with, which was with me, right? Which is more like related with their ads or to their ads. But the thing is that what we saw is like the slightly bigger businesses where the business owner is not running their own ads or not a team member, but they have an agency. They did not really show up anymore to those Thursday calls where we talk about ads. Um, so what we did instead is we introduced, we did, okay, if you sign up for your next move, which is a 12 month commitment, first of all, we have this structure on Tuesday. And second of all, you can uh, schedule like six one-on-one -on -one calls with me throughout the year to dive into your account with you to audit it and to, to point out any uh, improvements because if the pain is not big enough, meaning that their ads are doing pretty well, but not great, but there's not the pain's not big enough, they won't hop on with me on a three-hour call. So we introduced also with me to do like one-on-ones rather than uh, than those group calls to uh, for me to to audit their account and give them advice uh, on their on their account stuff. Yeah, I think that's really smart too, and especially like everyone needs another set of eyes when you have an agency running something. You know, it's it's really good to get a second evaluation and just make sure that they fully understand what's going on for better or for worse. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, yeah. Even if it means that they sometimes advise them to change agencies and not necessarily to push them into our agency because sometimes like our pricing is just too high for 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 some of our your next move members. But just tell them, look, this is working great, but it hasn't been touched for three weeks. That doesn't make sense. Keep an eye on it, right? Uh, or just general advice on how to structure better or launch new campaigns. Got a question for you. When you're evaluating and kind of going through these 
we'll call it like a mini audit for the your next move uh, members that have another agency. What are a few things that you're looking at in an ad account that other other brand owners should be looking at when they should just be following up to see what an agency is doing? Because obviously you hire an agency to execute certain things, but I, I think it's important that every business owner still knows to a high level what is going on in an ad account because it is an asset to a business. Yeah, and it's a ridiculously important asset, right? So you want to understand, indeed, to some extent what's going on, and you want to be able to select an agency that you're comfortable with and confident that they can deliver results. And look, it's not always an agency's fault, right, if something is not working great, because as you know as well, there's so much happening after the click that is extremely important for the success of, of the of the ads and, and the whole business. But if I dive into an ad account with a, with a, with a Your Next Move member, for example, or even if I do an audit for people that are interested in working with a smart marketer agency, I look for a few things. So first I look at campaign structure, right? Um, how many top of funnel campaigns have they running? What type of offers are they, are they running? Um, that's one. And if I see that, then obviously I also see what the attributed return on ad spend on that is. I don't take that as, as always like the truth because we know that tracking has become more challenging, but I do look at it to have it because it should give an indication on how something is doing. Um, then I click in the campaign and I look at their ad set upset, uh, um, setup, sorry, their uh, ad set setup because I'm always interested is if, pe uh, if people are actually uh, running a lot of interest uh, ad sets, because I see that a lot of campaigns are consolidated, right? They're either CBO broad or they're going ABO broad. And in the agency, and we're running now, we're, we're running quite, uh, we're running a few million a month in ads. Dude, like 90% of this is uh, interest-based targeting. So if I see that an ad account is not leveraging interest-based ABOs, I know, boom, that's an opportunity. Secondly, uh, or thirdly, I guess, I look at the ad level. And one of the biggest mit mistakes that I see people making is that they have different destination links or offers in the same ad set. So... For example, if you have uh, a few products or a few pages where you can run traffic to, even if it's the same offer, we want to isolate that in a campaign, meaning that we only have one destination link for all ads in the campaign. And I see a lot of people that, for example, have multiple products and it's in the same ad set. And that's a problem because you limit the ability of Facebook to actually learn and to understand what's working best. So that's one of the things that I also look at. Are we focusing on one offer and one page in, in, in one campaign or not? Those are some big opportunities. I'm curious when you're working with like brands that are more of a marketplace, like let's say a fashion apparel brand that might have a couple thousand SKUs, are you guys running several different campaigns that are product or collection specific? Yeah, exactly can be collection specific can sometimes be color specific too if that makes sense um, but i do want to under like i do want uh one destination link for the top of the funnel right when you talk about retargeting that's not necessarily the case 
Um, I do think for like, if you have like a fashion brand with like thousands of SKUs, makes sense to test like top of funnel, uh, like carousels, for example, that's going to different product pages. I think that does make sense. But um, in general, we want to have focus and isolation, which also brings simplicity, actually, to be honest. Absolutely. Yeah. And it also makes it a lot easier to, to measure what's going on if you have dozens of products in the same top of funnel campaign. It's like, how do you really justify what is working? Because budget's going to get shifted to ads based off of, you know, what's moving that day. But uh, that's that's quite interesting. That's, that's very cool. Yeah. And like, even if for some brands where they're doing relatively well, nothing is on fire, but they can't get past a certain point. So a good example, client that I'm working with right now, we are not running their ads. They brought me just in uh, privately to help them out with their account structure. I won't uh, tell their name because I'm not sure if they are comfortable with that, but multi eight figure brand uh, spending multi six figures a month on ads, uh, have a, a specific cap where they cannot scale past hitting a certain CPA, uh, CPA goal. And what I first did when I audited their account was literally just this, man. Like it's, they didn't have isolation per offer and they have like three or four offers. Their main offers were often in the same ad set. And secondly, not leveraging interest targeting at all. So just by restructuring campaigns and restructuring their setup using the assets that they already have, which is the pages that they have and the creatives that they already have, you can already make uh, often quite a big shift in um, the performance of an account. Yeah, I think it's interesting, even with even with everything that Facebook's gone through, like over the last year, two years, with with more AI machine learning and technically making it easier and more algorithm-based, it's still very technical for how you set up an account, even though it's supposed to be simple. If it's not done a right, the right way, you're going to have massive issues with your overall performance, especially at scale. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the moment like when you start hitting a bit of scale, the number of top of funnel campaigns increases quite significantly because we want to have generally like one variant per campaign. So eh, that can often is often the audience. But if you, for example, have a lot of creatives at work, but we know that Facebook only like gives reach to like two, we start creating separate campaigns, top of funnel campaigns with the same interests, for example, with those creatives that didn't get any reach. And there are like a lot of different ways how you can build out your top of funnel campaigns. Also, if you have the same creatives, but going to different pages, right? We want to have one page per campaign. So if you have four pages that work well, you can work, f you can run four campaigns at the same time. So yeah, I know it's like a bit in the weeds right away, but that's how like our, the, the campaigns for, of the accounts for us that run at scale, meaning six figures or more, right? A month, we sometimes have, well, we often have like 10 plus top of funnel campaigns running, which, uh, seems like a lot, but there's always only like one small variable that we're changing there that allows us for skill, but also understand what's working. Um, if that makes sense. That's awesome. I'm curious too. I think what's really, what's really like not looked at enough right now is, as you mentioned the word, but offers creation for e-commerce right now, everyone's so focused on, we have a product, let's sell the product or, you know, we have a discount, but 
What do you guys do to more or less like build offers for your clients when they come for you in the e-commerce space? Yeah, so great question. So first off, like let's define the word offer, right? Because when I say offer, like most people think immediately about a discount, um, which is not always the case. How I define offer is there are multiple ways to lead someone into buying, which can be a discount by the way, which sometimes works, but it uh, can be much more. So generally for e-com, we have three options I see here. So first off, something that we call at Smart Marks are um, the, the butter chicken approach, which is just ads going directly to product page uh, or collection page, right? Which works for a lot of our clients so we absolutely we we use that but that's that way then that's what we call the offer right just goes to the product page then secondly it is something that uh, Ezra has built boom by Cindy Joseph on right which is pre-sell articles so um, he has run a lot of ads to one specific pre-sell article which is five makeup tips uh, for older women where he sells makeup for women 50 plus where he gives five tips. Uh, if you t type that into Google, like five tips for older women, uh, boom by Cindy Joseph. I've seen it. I've seen it. Yeah. It's, he's been running it for years, right? Yeah. For years, man. And it still works. It still works. So writing a good pre-sale where, which is pretty condensed. If you see that page, it's super condensed. It's like five short tips. With like yeah, it's not very long. It's not like an advertorial that you get lost in, like a long, long form sales letter. It's very simple. Yeah, it's also not gated content, right? So it doesn't require an opt in. Um, that can work great. And uh, we are the smart marketer agency is, is, is recently also running the actual like the Boom by Cindy Joseph account because I did this campaign restructure for them and it's increased uh, new customers with like 71% in a matter of weeks with just restructuring their ad account. So we are running their ad account right now, which is exciting. But what they are really, really good at is creating those pre-sale articles that touch upon different pain points of their audience. So it leads them in with a different promise, right? Or just a different type of education, um, but it sells the same thing on the back end. Right, um, so pre-sale articles and understanding your audience and just writing some 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 good contents and education, which can be pretty short and condensed, and which should naturally lead into your offer, is another great way to uh, to have as a front-end offer. That's interesting. I I think the 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 tough thing that I see with a lot of ecom is generating that that those type of assets and that content is something that's just not looked at enough and i'm sure you hear it a lot or we do too at breadloaf if we come in and we start working with clients and we're like going into due diligence and research on the copy front and there's just not any assets like there's not any good articles there's not any good offers and there's like where's the pain problem solution it doesn't exist it's because most people just look at their brand as we are this logo, we are this company, we make this stuff, but they haven't done a lot of that deep work that's necessary to understand what are the struggles and the pains that your audience has every single day. And that work really needs to be done if you're going to hit scale and build like a multiple eight figure business. Yeah, 100%. Like the, we talk internally as well, like who are the clients that we do best with in the agency? And they're always the businesses that have nailed this, that's, that deeply understand their audience and have the business infrastructure in place 
to also create either the content or the pages for us to be successful when like when the the chances of us failing becomes much higher when we do not have any assets we have one page we can't really do anything with it we they don't really have content that we can use it becomes much harder for us yeah i couldn't agree more so what else is what else is working for smart marketer clients right now like what do you what else are, i mean we dove into ad accounts and uh, restructuring but what else are you seeing right now or what are some forecasts that you're seeing over the next couple months for uh, for the e-com space yeah so our clients in general are doing very well and one of the one of the things that has had a major impact on that is uh, facebook rolling out uh, website and shop ads so website and shop ads are ads for businesses with first of all physical products right uh, i think it's only it's limited to the us right now i'm sure they will roll it out globally but website and shop ads have been doing very well for our clients because what you do is you select on the ad set level as destination website and shop and what that does it gives facebook the freedom to direct the traffic to either your website or the shop your instagram shop or your facebook shop huh? and that's great for multiple reasons but one of the reasons is that it keeps the data on the app right on the platform which means accurate uh, data and attribution and full feedback coming back in i i agree i agree it's uh facebook and insta shop for for us has become a big thing that we rolled out for a couple clients back in october and november and uh and it's been made a hell of a difference. Now I'm curious when, when you're using destinations of website versus shop, are you using it in a certain part of the funnel? Like are you using it more top of funnel? Yeah, we're using it mostly top of funnel. And that's just because we see, not for everyone, but let's say for 50% of the clients that has this rolled out in their ad account, we see a ROAS lift anywhere between 20% up to 70, 80%. Like we had a client where we're now doing, and this is this does not happen often, but like now 2x, 2.2, 2.3x top of the funnel with these website and shop ads. And like we can scale their ad accounts and so much easier, right? It, it like we can add thousands a day in a matter of weeks with that. Um, and like one of the, like my private, uh, my private client that I'm working with right now, I introduced the campaign restructuring that I talked about but they haven't leveraged website and shop either. And like we are, we, we were going from an attribution and this is third party tracking attribution, right? So triple attribution where they were going on average, like 0 0.5, 0 0.6. I was uh, looking at it today and we have campaigns running at 1.8 top of the funnel, yeah? which is one restructuring the ad account, leveraging interest targeting, because that was also an opportunity and running website and shop. And it's a complete game changer. So my prediction for this year is like, Facebook is going all in on this a hundred percent. And that this will be extremely powerful and important. And I also think that this will enable small business owners or business owners in general, but that are reliant on direct response marketing to get control again and, and be much, much better off with Facebook ads than they were last year. Yeah, I agree. I think Facebook's been really smart with a lot of these changes they've been making to actually focus back on the ad product again. Because I feel like, as we know, over the last two and a half years, they got a little lost and it wasn't helping yeah. us. Yeah, I yeah. agree. 
Well, that's awesome, Pep. Well, is there anything else? I know we're running a little out of time, but anything else that you wanted to touch on today? Or where can people get in touch with you if they're interested in joining your next move or Smart Marketer? Yeah, for sure. So the easiest thing, I think, is just to go to smartmarketer.com. And for the agency, it's literally just forward slash agency. For your next move, it's your-next-move. It's also under, I think, courses. Um, but uh, we're uh, actually now building our uh, our own website. So smartmarketeragency.com is live, is not done yet, but uh, will be uh, developed and finished uh, in a few weeks. Awesome. And we'll get those links in the show notes too, so everyone ha- can access them easily. Awesome. Well, Pep, thank you so much for coming on today. Like, as always, like such a wealth of knowledge and uh, and information and what's working right now. And it's so cool to see all the success that you've had like over the last couple of years and, you know, how you guys are driving the ship at Smart Marketer in so many different realms, masterminds, agency services, private client work, coaching, info. And love, I love the business you guys have overall and just how you're able to serve so many different people. Yeah, it's amazing. It's a, it's a lot of fun. It's an amazing team. And we also have some really cool clients. So it's a, it's a joy to, uh, to work with the team. That's awesome. Well, thanks, Pep. Really appreciate you coming on today and we'll chat later. Yeah. Thanks, Mark.